Russia's failed push into northern Ukraine in March of 2022 was vividly illustrated by video after video of top-of-the-line tanks being pulverized by anti-tank weapons. Although attack helicopters and aircraft once thought of as the tank's true foe seem to be limited in this new war by a sky made more dangerous by surface-to-air missiles, the use of ATGMs or anti-tank guided missiles and precision artillery appeared to have made the tank obsolete in real time. But the technology used incorrectly can sometimes seem faulty or useless. I mean, if, if you look at what the Ukrainians are doing, they're desperately trying to get hold of our Abrams tanks and, and German Leopard tanks and some of the better quality. Pretty obvious from that that the tank is still an important part of the battlefield. In the case of the Russian tank drive towards Kyiv, poor tactics, preparation, and a mobile and motivated defense hampered the roadbound columns of T-72, T-80, and T-90 tanks. And tanks have been very important to being able to gain and, and take territory because uh, you need something that's going to have some protection behind it, uh, that's going to allow infantry to be able to either use it for cover or use it for indirect fires. And as the war dragged on, tanks on both sides became a key cog of offensive and defensive operations. The U.S. military is investing in a new light tank platform, and the constantly upgraded Abrams continues to be the mainstay of the U.S. Army Armored Corps. But is a next-generation tank around the corner, and can it survive on the battlefields of the future? Tanks were first used in World War I. The ability to have firepower and protection rolled into one vehicle that could transverse rough terrain changed warfare. Although the debate about what constitutes a tank continually raged, generally speaking a tank is a tracked vehicle with armor and a main gun. A main battle tank is a tank designed to be able to do it all, to be the tip of the spear during offensive operations, capable of anchoring defensive lines, and also capable of destroying other tanks. The primary tank the U.S. Army fields is the M1 Abrams. That's been around since the late 80s, uh, has been renovated and upgraded over time, uh, but it's still a relatively you know, old technology that's been repackaged in new ways. It has a 1500 horsepower engine that can be powered by jet fuel and a 120 millimeter main gun designed to take on the top of the line enemy tanks. Abrams crews set the Abrams tank apart uh, from anything. The crew training makes it the most lethal, most deadly, most dangerous thing on, on today's battlefield especially going to large-scale combat operations. There are numerous versions of the Abrams. The most advanced is the Abrams M1A2 System Enhancement Program version 3, or SEP V3. The M1A2 SEP V3 cost around $11 million with upgrades and sustainment. Nearly 10,000 Abrams tanks have been produced since its inception, and thousands of Abrams tanks of various modifications are currently in the U.S. Army's inventory. And the SEP V4 is in development and could be operational by 2025. So tanks are really important to gain and take territory against an entrenched adversary. Mobile protected firepower, infantry fighting vehicles, uh, robotic combat vehicles, they can all be really beneficial if you're going up against an adversary who's maybe more dispersed, not quite as entrenched. But the Army is also adding a light tank to its inventory that at 38 tons weighs less than half as much as a single Abrams tank. The Mobile Protected Firepower Vehicle, or MPF, features a large cannon and lighter weight than a main battle tank. The Army has set aside $1.14 billion to start procuring the new armored vehicle, and according to the fiscal year 2023 President's budget, the cost will be around $12.8 million per vehicle initially, but that cost could come down if the number purchased rises. The future of the tank could also look like the high-tech concept, the Abrams X. Um, so the U.S., even though it has probably the most advanced tank technology in the world, uh, is not really taking advantage of the full range of new material science and new weapons technology that's out there. I think the Abrams X is vulnerable to the same kind of problems we saw with things like 
the F-35, another real combat ship, where they were using complex software, newly developed systems, and they ended up not being able to carry out their missions in some respects, and also were very hard to maintain. Tank losses on both sides of the conflict have been huge. Around half of Russia's modern tanks have been lost in the war, according to a report by the International Institute for Strategic Studies. Ukraine's military may have lost hundreds of its tanks, the same report found, which is one reason Kyiv has pushed for more tanks from Western backers. And the US, the UK, and Germany are finally preparing to hand over main battle tanks. It's considered a major step by Ukraine's military backers, one that could lead to more deliveries from other countries in their effort to aid Ukraine. The US has pledged to send 31 Abrams, the UK is sending 14 Challenger 2s, and Germany has pledged 14 Leopard 2 A6 tanks. The Defense Department announced that M1A1s would be sent to Ukraine, which would speed up delivery to fall of this year. Critics of the Abrams transfer have noted that it is high maintenance, doesn't run on diesel like the tanks used by the Ukrainian military, and takes ample crew training to fully take advantage of its high-tech design. Germany produces the Leopard series of tanks, which do run on diesel and are considered easier to maintain than the Abrams. The German-made Leopard tank was one of the platforms that the United States was pushing for over the Abrams because it's a tank that's widely used in Europe. Since the U.S. announced it is giving tanks to Ukraine, Germany has followed suit, opening the doors for transfer approvals for nations operating the German-made Leopard tank. The Abrams tank is also a popular export. Various versions are operated by Taiwan, Egypt, Iraq, Australia, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Morocco, and soon Poland. Tanks tend to have more armor on the front and turret and less on the sides and rear of the tank. This creates vulnerabilities, but picking and choosing where to put armor is a trade-off to keep the tank from being too heavy for most roads and bridges. One way that tanks are moving into the future is with defenses that are more than just adding heaps of heavy armor. The war in Ukraine has shown hard proof that modern anti-tank weapons can be brutally effective. The Russian tanks didn't fare well. Uh, they were taken out pretty quickly by modern anti-tank systems. And I think that would be a problem also for US tanks in a future conflict. Reactive armor is designed to react to projectiles as they hit the tank and reduce the potential of armor-piercing weapons breaching the hull through advanced materials designed to absorb, redirect, and degrade the attack. Explosive reactive armor uses an explosive sandwich between metal plates. When an incoming projectile hits the explosive, it detonates and redirects the energy of the impact. These concepts have been around for decades, and Abrams tanks have the Abram reactive armor tiles made by Ensign Bickford Aerospace and Defense Company that can be added to the hull to help provide more protection. A more advanced method is using active protection systems. These intercept incoming anti-tank weapons prior to impact with the tank itself. Rafael Advanced Defense Systems and Leonardo DRS have teamed up to equip U.S. Army Abrams with the Trophy APS system. So some of these anti-tank systems um, actually use an outgoing uh, round, so it's either a, some kind of gun type of round or an explosive to basically defeat the incoming explosive of the, the anti-tank round. So some of them are very sophisticated, and these systems have been around for about a decade, and the U.S. has just now begun to put those on the Abrams. Uh, so I think one really big lesson out of Ukraine is the importance of these active protective systems. Unmanned and optionally manned ground vehicles, including tanks, could be the next huge innovation in land warfare. Uh, you're seeing a lot of the um, energy and innovation going into things like robotic, robotic combat vehicles, which the U.S. Army has been investing in. Uh, and there's many companies overseas like uh, Rheinmetall, 
that have been building uh, a variety of uh, semi-autonomous or autonomous uh, armored vehicles that are weaponized, that can be controlled remotely by a person or have a person in them potentially sometime. But getting this new technology to work will take big investments in automation, AI, and indirect control systems. Every battle, every war is, is unique. And, and I think we've got to be careful about uh, how we interpret what's going on in Ukraine right now. But at the same time, I think it is time that we turn we realized that a lot of the conclusions we made after Desert Storm and from the early days in Iraq and Afghanistan were just wrong. That, that, that warfare between peers and near peers is a lot more violent and it's got a lot more technologically oriented than the early campaigns were in Iraq and Afghanistan. As the war in Ukraine rages, Pentagon planners are focusing more on what a war in the Indo-Pacific, an arena filled with island chains and remote logistics, would look like. If you look at the Indo-Pacific context, um, it's probably not going to be you know, land wars where the U.S. and Chinese are fighting in the Philippines, for example. It's much more likely that the U.S. is going to be trying to uh, protect that base from some kind of uh, small-scale attack you know, that the, the Chinese might mount in the Philippines or in, in the Japanese island chain, where uh, a smaller tank or a smaller set of armored vehicles with guns is going to be more beneficial than a large tank that maybe can't use all the road networks, uh, that maybe uh, takes a, a lot of gas uh, and is more difficult to sustain. There's still a question of how useful tanks will be uh, in future conflicts. And of course, we want to head off some of those conflicts uh, through diplomacy and uh, skilled political developments as opposed to just uh, preparing for war, some of which may never uh, come to be.